it for me before Van Cochran comes up to continue our message series, um, keep, keep your love on. We're going to take a look at a, at a, at a quick video right now. Just Riley and me, forever. For 33 seconds. I'm sadness. Oh, hello. I'm joy. So, can I just, if you could, I just want to fix that. (laughs) Thanks. And that was just the beginning. Headquarters only got more crowded from there. Very nice. Okay, looks like you got this. Very good. Oh, that's right, turn. Oh, look out! That's fear. He's really good at keeping Riley safe. Easy, easy, huh? High back! Oh, we're good. We're good. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we're back. Here we go. All right, open. Hmm, this looks new. Think it's safe? What is it? Okay, caution. There is a dangerous smell, people. Hold on, what is that? This is disgust. She basically keeps Riley from being poisoned, physically and socially. That is not brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! (laughs) Well, I just saved our lives. Yeah, you're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not going to get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. Cares very deeply about things being fake. So that's how you want to play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this. Ah! Right, right. Here comes an airplane. Ah! Oh, airplane. We got an airplane, everybody. And you've met Sadness. She, well, she. I'm not actually sure what she does. And I've checked. There's no place for her to go. So she's good. We're good. It's all great. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Uh, I mean, we all get that because we all struggle with the different emotions and, uh, and, and with different thought patterns. That, uh, that, that come into our minds and our hearts and how we relate to other people and how we relate uh, to situations. Uh, Lori and I were just down in North Carolina this week for Thanksgiving visiting our second oldest son, uh, Brent, and his wife, Rebecca, and uh, their grand- our granddaughter, Calla, who is a little over two, and our brand new grandson, uh, Bronson, who is just a couple weeks old. So uh, seeing the little baby and joy was the first emotion. She's thinking, well, okay, life is going to be awesome. But then sadness comes in and, and you know the rest of it. But uh, one of the days that we were there, Friday, in fact, my son was up on the roof and my job was to be the spotter in the sense of telling him when the star was straight. He's hanging a star down onto a um, little, uh, little part of their house. And so I'm watching him up there and I'm thinking, okay, he's young and he has kids. If he falls, will I be able to get to him in time and cushion his fall? I'll sacrifice myself and, you know, for the sake of the kids and everything. But then my granddaughter, Kella, came out and she's looking up there and she's saying, daddy, come down. And her mother, Rebecca, said, 
Kella, pray for daddy. And so she said, dear Jesus, I don't want my daddy to fall. I want him to be safe. Amen. And uh, so, I, yeah, just, yeah, that was a pretty sweet prayer, wasn't it? Pretty smart kid, too, to pray that way, wouldn't you agree? I mean, a two-year-old, there's something exceptional about that child, folks, okay? It's, you know, it's obviously, it's in the DNA. Yeah. Well, hey, we are in this series, uh, Keep Your Love On, and uh, we're, we're talking about relationships. And when we talk about keep your love on, uh, the, the illustration that the author for the book, Danny Silk, we're taking this all from a book, uh, or, or we're, we are adapting it from a book. It's not all entirely uh, from the book, but uh, the, the illustration that Danny Silk used in his book, Keep Your Love On, was of a light bulb. And so when, it, when we say keep your love on, we're not talking about you or me trying really, really hard to, to keep loving other people. Or, or wrapping ourselves in love somehow so that we have love on. But the illustration is one of power. It is of the power that keeps a light bulb on is controlled by what? By a light switch. And you can flip that power on or you can turn it off. And so the illustration for the book is stay in a flow of power with God, the Holy Spirit of God, who is in every believer, and he wants to fill us more and more and more. He is the source of love. He's the one who releases love in us and through us. And so keep the power on. In other words, keep, the, keep yielding to the Holy Spirit. Keep walking in tune with the Holy Spirit so that his love can flow through us. That, that's been really the essence of, of this series. And a couple of weeks ago, Dave King, who gave the last message in the series, because last week we had Robbie Dawkins here, uh, Dave just gave a great message. Uh, how, many, how many of you heard Dave's message? Okay, wasn't that good? So how many over here heard? I want to see. Okay, so you will understand when from, from this henceforth, we will refer to him as Dave Urkel King. You get that? Okay, Dave has courage that I lack. I mean, I, I guess he did a pretty good uh, Urkel impersonation here. But uh, one, one of Dave's core points was that connection is the point. Remaining in con relationship, connection is the point. That I honor you. I value you. I value your life, and I value our connection. And I want to maintain our connection, and I want our connection to, to, to grow, to become closer. I mean, to the degree that in, in, in social environments it should grow. I mean, we can't know everyone perfectly intimately. We're not implying that. But, but we want to stay connected with other people. And for today, I just, just have a very short thought to share with you. And that is that connection is the goal. Connection is what God created us for. To be in connection with him and then to be connected heart to heart with each other. But the greatest hindrance to connection is, is what? It's fear. It's anxiety. Fear causes us to shut down. Fear causes us to, to close, to, to create barriers 
fear of being known and being recognized then as inadequate. Fear of being wrong. Fear of doing something that will hurt the other person. And once again, it will reflect upon our own inadequacy. So fear and anxiety cause us to draw in. And therefore, fear is the greatest enemy of connection. But here's another truth. The antidote to fear is connection. Think about that. And I'll restate it. The antidote to fear is connection. The more I am connected to others, the less I allow fear and anxiety to rule my life. But the more fear and anxiety that rules my life, the less I am connected to others. Now, do you see this? It's like a catch-22. Do you get that? The very thing I need to do to be more connected with others is the thing that keeps me from being connected with others. Did I say that right? I don't think I did. But you understand what I'm saying. Connection's the key. Connection is what minimizes fear, but fear itself keeps us from being connected. Anybody remember that old movie, Catch-22? You know what the phrase means, Catch-22? Okay, you don't know what that phrase means. How many of you do know? Come on, I'm not going to spend five minutes explaining it if you know. Okay, okay. So, how do you proceed? If I have fear in my life, how can I overcome fear so I can become more connected when becoming more connected is the thing that overcomes my fears? And the answer is this, the Holy Spirit. You see, there is an answer. It's the Holy Spirit. Because what he does is to minimize our fears. And he heals our fears. And he heals our hearts. So that we can begin to walk out of fear. And the more we walk out of fear, the more connected we're capable of being. And the more connected I am, the less fear controls me. So on the one hand, there can be a downward spiral. I'm afraid, and so because I'm afraid, I withdraw, and I become less connected, and less connection with others then creates anxiety in my life because God created us to be in connection, and so I've gone down a step there, and then the lack of connection creates more anxiety, and the greater anxiety creates a worse connection. And then the worst connection creates less, greater anxiety, and it's just a downward spiral. And so how do you break the spiral? Well, it's the Holy Spirit who breaks the spiral. And when he begins to work, and when we begin to yield to his presence and receive the healing that he has for our hearts, then we can enter an updraft instead of a downward spiral. And he heals my heart, and, and I begin to trust him, and I begin to recognize God's goodness you know, the, the Bible in one place, I think it's Psalm 27, 13 or 15, it says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Now look at that verse, in the land of the living. He's not just saying someday when I die and go to heaven, I'll see God's goodness. He's saying, I'm confident, even though I might be facing something hard right now, I am confident 
that I'm going to see God's goodness in this lifetime. I'm going to experience his goodness here in this life. And because of that confidence, I can trust God with my future. I can begin to trust him with my relationships because he's good. I can begin to trust him with mistakes that I make. I can begin to trust him with my relationships. And when the person walks away and I'm thinking, oh, I should have said this to them. Oh man, that would have been so good to say to them. And I missed saying that. And they're walking away right now thinking that I don't value them because I didn't say that. Do you ever do that? Man, all the time. And when that happens, you say, Jesus, I trust you with that. You know, they're in your hands, not mine. And so you bless them. And if, if I said something dumb, just wipe that from their mind. And let, let them re- remember the good things. And just bless them. You see, we trust God's goodness for, for rela- all of our relational needs. And then when it comes to healing of the heart, uh, you know, fear that, that, that keeps us from being really who God wants us to be and walking in the gifting he's given us and, and, and really trusting that there is some basic personality makeup he's given me that when the Holy Spirit is working through that, that he's going to bless other people. When it comes to that, we don't want to just mask over things. We don't want to just develop some technique that says, well, I'm just going to count to 10 before I answer because I know if I say something before 10, I'll say something I regret. Well, okay, keeping our mouths shut in circumstances like that is better than speaking, okay? I I will grant that, okay? But what Jesus wants, what God wants for us is healing of the heart so that those things aren't bulging out and I have to push them back down. And I have to constantly say, no, I'm not going to say that because I know it would hurt that. No, he wants to heal the heart wounds that we have so that our responses can be more free and consequently more loving. You see, God didn't give us fear. The Bible says God, God, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. God gave us power, love, and a sound mind. So power, love, and the ability to think clearly. How many of you know that when you give in to fear and anxiety, you can't think right? You ever experienced that? You know, I'm all nervous and going into a, a meet somebody and, and maybe it's someone that I've idolized over the years or, or whatever it might be. And you, and you go in and you just say something dumb because you're nervous and fearful because fear messes up our thinking. Now, in past weeks, we looked at this triangle called the victim, bad guy, rescuer triangle. And I want to I just take a brief look at that right now, okay? We talked about powerless people. Do you remember that? Powerless people view themselves as what? As victims. Whatever happens in life, it's something that was beyond their control and they can't do anything about it. So a powerless person views themselves as someone who doesn't have any choices. There's nothing I can do to move ahead in life. You know, the storm blew through, the the tree crashed into my house, and woe is me. Or that other person at work gossiped about me, and they hurt me, and they're a bad, that's the bad guy. Okay, so the bad guy can be either a literal person, or it can just be some force of nature, or just some random thing that happens. But it's the victim views themselves as being powerless. 
They view themselves as having no choices, no alternatives. Now, what they do in the midst of that, what the victim does, the victim is looking for some sense of balance and stability. And so what do they do? They're, they're looking for a rescuer. They're looking for someone that they can go to. And in the context of the personal thing, if the bad guy's a person, then um, the, the victim is looking for someone that's going to pat them on the shoulder and tell them, you are right. That bad guy, we got to rename him. He is the horrible guy, not just the bad guy. He's the evil guy, not just the bad guy. And I'm with you. He is really bad. He really abused you. And this is terrible. And this is awful. And let's go tell some other people about it so that they can be, so that they can support you too. So the victim is looking for some form of emotional support and, uh, and often finds it in the rescuer. Now the rescuer is someone that is pretty insecure in life. They're not a powerful person either because they need somebody to rescue. The only time they feel significant is when they have a victim around because they know how to comfort a victim or they think they know how to step in and how to give some form of solace to a victim. And so they find their meaning and they find their comfort and stability by being the rescuer, by taking charge, by trying to fix this person's life. But all of those positions are powerless. And the powerful person realizes I'm responsible for my life before God. I can't make decisions for other people. The powerful person recognizes if, if I am, if someone, if, if a bad guy comes into my life, whether it's a, a, an offense or it is some act of nature or some other situation or I lose my job because of the economy, the powerful person doesn't sit and, and, and just in, in sorrow playing the role of the victim. The, the powerful person uh, gets back up. And says, okay, what are our next steps? God, what's the next step? Because God, I'm confident I'm going to see your goodness in the land of the living. I'm confident of that. So what's our next step, God? How do we move ahead? And, and, and how, 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 how are you going to work to bless my life? That's the powerful person. But um, when, when, we, when we look at this triangle, we want to recognize that for each one of us, there are times we can play one of these roles. Uh, we don't want to. We want to recognize it. We need to be conscious of it so that, w- so that we don't slip into it. But it's so easy. Now, really, what the, what the powerful person does, if the victim, instead of coming to a rescuer, comes to a powerful person, what's going to happen? They're going to talk to that person, and that person's going to say, wow, hmm, man, when are you going to talk to them about that? You know, that sounds like a tough situation. And let me help you figure out what to say because you need to go talk to them. You need to go talk to the bad guy. And, and you need to get some, some, because you, you need to get some connection going there. And, and so the powerful person is going to speak into the situation and going to encourage the victim to take responsibility for themselves. Now, sometimes the victim views that as abuse. And then the victim is, you know, is um, and, and forms another triangle. But my point in sharing this all with you is that we can all play these roles, or we all have at one time, and that e- each of these roles needs heart healing. I mean, we obviously we don't ever want to be the bad guy, okay? 
You don't want to be someone who persecutes others or who harms others. And there are situations where someone does need to be rescued. If there is a child that's being attacked by some random adult, then there needs to be a rescue or adult who steps in and stops it. All right. That, there are times when that's the case. But when, what we're talking about are, are the, the more normal events of life where we are in relational things that happen that hurt us and that we want to blame others for and that we don't want to take any responsibility for dealing with ourselves. Does that make sense? Okay, so the thing I want to talk about just briefly today then is how do we get healing? How do I, how do I invite the Holy Spirit to begin to deal with some of the fear and anxiety so I can become part of that updraft where I, the, the fear and the anxiety, I'm growing in that, I'm being released from that, and therefore I'm able to connect more with people. And because I connect more with people and, and I'm able to be some, open my heart up in some transparency and I find out they don't think, they don't reject me over that. They don't think I'm as bad as I think I am. They don't think I'm as worthless as I might think I am sometimes. And, and that connection then reinforces my heart and I gain more strength and courage. And so how do I get into that cycle? And th- the whole thing is the Holy Spirit touching us because we all have wounds. We all have heart issues. Dave King illustrated that really well two weeks ago with uh, some of his talk about stuff that happened on the playground when he was a kid. And I mean, how many of you, if you thought about it, can remember sometime on the playground where you went away feeling, you know, pretty low? I mean, I can remember times, you know, being the last one picked in a ball game or um, not being included in some conversation or, or seeing kids that are being mocked by other kids. It, it happens in grade school. It happens in high school. It happens in life. It happens on the job where someone gossips about you and damages your position with your company. I mean, all of those things are wounds to our hearts. And here's the thing. Uh, in Psalm 147.3, there's this truth. And this, this is a powerful truth. Uh, when we realize that God is good. And then look at this verse. It says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So God wants to heal those broken pieces in my heart, those places, those kind of of like tender spots, squishy spots. If we had time, we'd talk about shame and places of shame. And you know, uh, Guilt is what I feel when I do something wrong. Shame is the emotion that I have when I believe there is something wrong with me. Okay, so shame is when I believe there's something wrong with me. I'm defective. I come from a bad background. My family line is cursed or snake bit or there's something, there's something wrong with my family line. Or there's just something wrong with the way I think. I don't think right, and I can't quite get over that, and on and on. That, that's shame. And so God wants to heal those things. And, and he wants to release us from the wounds so that we can be free to be channels of his love. And, and it's the fear and the anxiety over, over uh, inadequacy and the, the shame that fuels that that he wants to heal us from. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray just briefly before we go into worship. 
And um, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will come right now and bring, begin to bring healing or just a, a, com- a complete healing right now, right on the spot for your heart, for whatever issues are there, whatever, whatever points of shame there might be, uh, family background, something that you've done in the past, uh, an abortion or some, some way that you conducted yourself or people that you hurt. Uh, whatever it might be, people that hurt you, that made you feel like you really deserved to be hurt. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and heal that right now, okay? And here's one additional thought I want to give to you. A lot of people talk about God existing outside of time. And the Bible does say that at the end when Jesus returns, time will cease. And so there, there are aspects of time that we don't really grasp fully. But if God exists outside of time, he certainly exists within the framework of time because he's here and he relates to us and we can communicate with him. And so it's one of these uh, truths that are difficult to comprehend, like God is three and yet God is one. God is within time experiencing life with us, but he's also outside time. And if God is outside time, then that means that he can reach back to that very moment that I remember, that very moment that I recall where shame really took hold of me. And he, he can not only touch my heart now, but he can reach right back to the root event and, and just right there, just release healing and be freed from the root event itself. And that's what I want to pray for right now. So uh, especially... If, if this message is speaking to you and, and you're thinking, yeah, there are some places of shame in my life that if, if someone brings up finances, I feel like I just don't want to enter the conversation because I feel so inadequate or like I have blown it so bad or someone brings up sexual purity, I feel like I have to shrink back because I've blown it so bad or if someone brings up uh, just intelligence you know, I was made fun of because I couldn't spell in elementary school, and, and that's an area of shame in my life. God wants to heal those, okay? So let's all just close our eyes, would you please? And Holy Spirit, uh, we welcome your presence here right now. We just welcome your presence. Oh, thank you. You sense that, you feel that, that's, that kind of like shift in the atmosphere as the Holy Spirit just revealing himself right now. More, more. We invite you to reveal more of yourself. Just more of yourself. Holy Spirit, reveal areas right now all across the room. Just just speak and, and say, yeah, this is the point I'm going to heal today for you. Just listen right now to what the Holy Spirit's saying. more of your presence, Lord. Come now, Lord, and bring healing. You are the God who heals the brokenhearted. We open our hearts to you. Come and flow into those broken places. And don't just seal them over, but make them new. That's what you do. You You don't just use some form of, like, crack compound or anything. You bring new. Make it new. Make those places in our hearts brand new. And Lord, uh, 
being outside of time, we would ask you just look back the timeline right now and just reach right in into each of our histories of time and just touch that point that we remember and heal not just that event but all the other little things around it that also are part of it. Bring healing right now and release and freedom. It's more of your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.